You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Gary Newman, The Pleasure Principle. On the line, I have Rob, Ben, and Solange. Hi. The Pleasure Principle is the debut solo studio album by the English musician Gary Newman. It was released on the 7th of September, 1979 on the Beggar's Banquet uh, label in the UK and ATCO in the US. The producer was Gary Newman, and the genre is synth pop and new wave i'm going to read from the book yoshi kayo it must have been hard to determine exactly what gary newman represented back in 1979 on the cover of the pleasure principle he is part androgynous bowie alien part craftwork robot and at least somewhat later roxy music seville row dandy Sonically, the album represents musical elements of all those artists. Gary Newman had already tasted chart success with his electro group Tube Way Army, scoring a surprise UK number one with Our Friends Electric and topping the UK chart with its parent album Replicants. On the solo debut, Newman employs a quartet of keyboards, bass, guitar, drums, and viola, not unlike Japan's techno-pop power trio Yellow Magic Orchestra with strings thrown into the mix. It sounded revolutionary at the time to have the lead parts played on electric keyboards, but Newman's take on electronica did not adhere strictly to the all-machine aesthetic popularized by Kraftwerk or Depeche Mode. Rather, the album represents a sophisticated brand of new wave synth pop driven by his dispassionate vocals and symphonic wash of early synthesizer sounds, a clear interpretation to later synth fueled groups such as the Human League and Soft Cell. Cars, an excursion into paranoia and loneliness driven by one of the most distinctive synth riffs in all of electronica, gave Newman a well deserved UK number one single and US top 10. Pleasure Principle manages to sound at once futuristic and oddly timeless in a postmodern world. All right, what do we think of Gary Newman, The Pleasure Principle? I this love this album. I fucking love it. Cool. Love this it so much. First listen this week for me. This was such a pleasure principle. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I started off this week with this one too. I, I wanted to start up strong, you know, get real hyped. It's just so cool. There's so much yeah. cool going on. It's yeah. I thought He's it was interesting. In a really interesting blend of electronic and I guess acoustic instruments. It and it, they, they don't feel like they're pushing against each other at all. I definitely think the inclusion of a uh, of like a real drum set like uh Cedric Sharpley uh, is playing drums on this and those strings just gives it a nice like human pulse and human energy 
that I think otherwise it could have maybe been a little cold. Man, the songs are there. There's hooks mm-hmm. everywhere. It just it it drives. It's mm-hmm. really yeah. What you were saying, Ben, that it really feels like he pulled in all the facets of all these other bands and what they were doing at the time, and just kind of melded them into a cohesive, you know, style of his own. It, it was sort of Japan is sort of craft work, but he didn't go so sterile as craft work. He brought in those, those acoustic elements and then presented it in a, in the style, you know, he, he knew how to do and, and it works. That's why I'm so glad in uh, the write-up they bring up Yellow Magic Orchestra because you're right, like Kraftwerk does get so sterile in a way. Um, they kind of don't do that on their later albums, but they really ki- they really do like dial it back. And uh, when I think Gary Newman in like comparison, I don't really think of him in comparison to Kraftwerk. I think of him in comparison to Yellow Magic Orchestra, who has more of like a orchestra. Well, I don't want to say orchestrated because it's in the name, but just a more uh, symphonic sort of thing going on. There's a uh, there's so much that's a uh, that's kind that grabs you in a way, and he does, but he keeps it so fresh throughout the songs. Like he doesn't just rely on one sort of he, he'll have like one through through bass line or whatever or synth line or whatever you want to call it. But he has so much that he's doing with it at the same time, which is so cool. You know, it really shows what's going to come with like Heaven 17 in a few years and the Human League and even Pet Shop Boys. You know, it's so ahead of its time. Yeah, I I, would, I never lumped him in with Kraftwerk. Um, this gives me more like it's more Berlin, Bowie and uh, Roxy music than anything else like it to to my uh at least to, to my ears i mean um, but he's heavily influenced by craft work mm-hmm. heavily doesn't cars use like the same synth effect as I mean, autobahn yeah autobahn pocket calculator like you you gotta admit that there's a direct yeah, connection Pocket calculator say, isn't for another like yeah. few years from this. Uh, um, I, I wouldn't say there isn't like an influence. I just I would say like you can be influenced by someone but not necessarily evoke them. You know what I mean? True. And yeah, the this the sterile aspect of what uh of what craft work had been doing, like that this definitely has it it's not as uh I don't want to say focused, but We'll use that word for the time being. It's it's not as focused as that, but it is weird. Like, um, I always kind of thought Pleasure Principle was kind of like a concept like record, but like with repeating motifs or like at least like in the same key. Like the all of the songs just kind of seem to flow one to the other. Um, weird. a concept record. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so. I never considered that before. That's so interesting. I thought it was just because he was young. And he was writing so many songs at the time because at this point in his career, he was just cranking them out. I mean, he had three albums within one year. He's 21 at the time. Wait, really? And he's oh my just, God. just going full throttle, you know, uh, kicking, kicking these off. I did think it was really strange that Cars is so close to Observer. I mean... Come, uh, yeah. Uh, to to me, I I heard that and I was like, oh great, cars, you know, is on. Nope, not for another two tracks. That that was which the, is kind of why I 
which is why I, I brought up the idea that like you know the like thematic motifs and then and concepts like uh going together um yeah. we're listening yeah, to Michael. my favorite song on the record right now films mm-hmm. oh um, dude yeah. this song's so tight i want to get a soundbite that i can use for like my two second long movie reviews that just goes, I don't like the film. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, the, uh, that drum intro to films that made my ears stand at attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that did, uh, Cedric Sharpley. He is a cool player. I'd never heard of him before this album. I kind of looked, looked him up. Yeah, what he, else has he been on? He well, he was in a. He's a South African drummer. I think he's from Johannesburg. But he moved to the UK and he joined a prog band called Druid. And <laughs> a beautiful name for a prog band. <laughs> oh yeah. Then uh, after he left Druid, he joined Two Boy Army. And so apparently, the, the Gary Newman band is Two Boy Army. Like there's not really a change in personnel. Just he was a creative force and a songwriter, and he started going by Gary Newman as opposed to going by Two Boy Army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wanted to really switch it up. I I, I was reading about how his uh, mainly his his record label just wanted to keep you know keep the punk uh, you know punk's real hot right now, and you know they they wanted them to to sort of move in that direction, and obviously Gary Newman. It looked at that and said, there's no way, you know, this is going to be the future. He wanted to be the future. He wanted to incorporate uh, electronic synth elements into uh, into the music. And there you go. Beautiful, though. Uh, he was saying that, like, he was trying to get away from punk back in 77. Like he like he, he was over it at that, like back then. Um, another thing that I had read a billion years ago, no, like when, when the mini Moog had like right before it had its reissue, um, like Gary Newman was like, uh, he, he had signed one and there was a big raffle with Moog music. Um, but he was given an interview then. And he was saying that like, uh, when like Tubway Ar- or two way armway came into the, uh, the studio like it was it was all just guitar like it, it was it was they were going to record a punk record mm-hmm. um but he found a mini moog in the corner and started fucking around with it and they basically scrapped the majority of the material and he just rewrote stuff with the mini moog and that's that was hit that's how he got introduced to uh yeah electronics electronic music and then like wanting to continue doing electronic music afterwards which I thought was pretty neat, man. I mean, he found a niche and he stuck with it because he is a prolific like artist. Like he and and I don't mean it like prolific, like he's well known. Like he releases albums a lot. He just I think he actually just released a new one because my mom was posting about Gary Newman on her Facebook the other day. And then just a few years ago, yes, cool I know. Mom. And then oh, yeah, well, I got a story nice about mom her. flex. I know. Sorry. Uh, I do have a story about her and Gary Newman, but, um, and then he like released another one a few years ago, which is when I went to go see him live here. Um, but he, I mean, he cranks them out all the time. Like he, he, he was at headliners. Oh man. Um, I would love to have seen it was a real, okay. It was a really cool show. And I like, I really want to make it clear. He is one of those artists who is like not super big anymore. 
and is like older, but puts on such a good show. And Adam Ant is actually another artist who puts on like an amazing show, you know, despite being like not very popular and like older now. Um, but Gary Newman's show was so good. It was so good. And this is, this is a weird show because it was in spite of the fact that his tour bus killed someone the day before. Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah. So they came out on stage and they like were brought that up. And so that was, but he played a great show in spite of that. But that was another straight, it was just such a weird show because we took my mom and my brother. So it was a family affair. And my mom was very excited to get out because she lives on a farm and doesn't go anywhere. And she would like tell us like, I went out back and I smoked some weed with people. And I'm like, people you don't know. She's like, well, I do know them now. And I'm like, oh my God. Um, (laughs) But the cherry on top of the Gary Newman experience was Ian got roofied. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to laugh because that's horrible. It was it was obviously not meant for him and whoever it was horrible. Um, but yeah, Ian straight up like doesn't remember a lot of the show because of this. Um, but yeah, in spite of all these weird elements with the Gary Newman show, he put on such an incredible show and he played like the hits you want to he didn't play like all hits obviously he had just come out with a and he had an outfit you guys he um his new thing was desert goth and he had like a desert goth shaman outfit and it was very cool like he was like dedicated and i really appreciate that about an artist who is as prolific as him as um mature as he is and who's been around us for a long time and kind of you know their popularity wanes they recognize like you came to see them we're spending an evening together and he brought it and he played his uh his live music was so cool and it almost like sounded like a kmfdm version of like cars like very industrial goth it was really fun so Sweet. yeah yeah it was a really cool time i had a great time seeing gary newman live If you had any doubt to his conviction of, as a performer, just go see Erg, A Music War, and oh my God. him drive out in a, in a small little motorized vehicle by Amazing. himself while the band is nowhere to be seen, and then just flourishes of smoke and lasers yes, that, that he, are just all the, yes. all the way. This, the stage setup for that was insane. Like it was a two-story, like l- like dual-sided lit apparatus with two keyboards and windows, and then large risers behind them with the rest of the band. Like the stage show was fucking nuts for this record. I can still assure um, you, Gary loves the lasers, loves the smoke machines. He still pops them out, and he delivered. He delivered on it. It was awesome. But, like, back to this album at hand, like, you know, I mean, I could talk about Gary Newman all day, but, like, this album really shows, like, his dedication to, like, his craft. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like to say that too often about, like, an artist, but it just shows how, like, how 
driven he is to make something that's like very revolutionary and very tight in a lot of ways. I mean, he definitely had, he had an idea. Um, but he, even in like interviews that I've seen, like with him, like post this, just talking about this time is like, he considered it a double-edged sword. He didn't think that he was writing at his full potential when this came out. And he, this record shot him into the stratosphere and he was touring all the time and he was just bummed like, because he, he wasn't able to write. Um, I get this. And yeah, around like crowds of people either just reading between the lines of his lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he hated it. He hated the touring back then. Um, And yeah, like being thrust into the limelight as, as big as this was, the he he was on the wrong side of that double-edged sword sort of like it, it hurt him and he he took a step back for a few years um and yeah but i mean he is still touring and he's still writing he's like much happier but yeah i don't know can you imagine like being 21 and all of a sudden just like yeah the fact too that he wrote cars in maybe 30 minutes um is wow is unbelievable i mean he said that he 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 doesn't chart that song down to any sort of talent he said it was lucky he said it took 10 minutes to write the entire song for the parts uh and then it took another 20 minutes to put the music to the lyrics uh and then he was done with the whole song in 30 minutes he says it it was the quickest song he ever wrote and he's (gasps) still doing very well 40 years later from from that song he says it's just unbelievable how that song came to fruition is, is just, you know, pure, just him messing around and something stuck. It's a simple song. It is, but it's the synth line that makes it like not even the lyrics. Like, I mean, I don't even, I just hear the synth line and it just like snatches me, you know, and for how iconic it is. You hear the story of the song cars. There's a road rage, road rage incident where, uh, I don't know what the incident was, but someone very angrily got out of their car and approached Gary Newman in his car and tried to make him get out of the car. And he locked all of his doors, locked all of his doors, (laughs) like drove up on the sidewalk and drove away. And yeah, the song's about like how like the car is like your modern like sanctuary. Like it can't affect you if you're in your car. It's good advice. Tell that to the guy that got murdered by his tour bus. Oh, no. Oh, damn. <laughs> well, I think that that guy wasn't in a car. Yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure that well, person was on foot. So it's... I'm, I'm really familiar with this record, but going back and like re-listening and uh, the, the viola stuff in the violin, it reminds me so much of Return of the Rentals. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's got a bit of Yeah, that. like <laughs> I, think, uh, I think Matt Sharp was taking some cues off of, uh, off of this one. Um, yeah, I think I think many many people in the eighties were were uh, dipping into the Gary you know Newman style. Uh, obviously, Kraftwerk and all these other bands, but yeah, it's a it's a major force to to hear this this sort of style jittery. Uh, I don't know what I want to say. Sort of loose Moog. It, it it it's not as Kraftwerk was all about robotic, you know. Uh, they'd have washes of of this these synth lines, but this feels a little more uh, like a live performance. Like you're performing these the, these elements all in all in one room. 
it seems like just about every song he's got that <clears throat> hooky like Moog bass line, you know, and then he'll come in with uh like the poly Moog, like the Vox Humana setting and just like do like the ethereal stuff over. It, it seems like that's like mm-hmm. his like formula mm-hmm. and it works. It's a really cool sound. Yeah. yeah, especially for someone so young and just like starting out with like this type of music, you know, like he it's so interesting, like cars being written in 30 minutes, you know, like 10 minutes to write the lyrics. And then it's it really sh- like I know that he says it's not talent, but at what point does like natural intuition uh, and luck kind of, you know, be gauge your talent? Does that make sense? Like at, at what yeah. point do yeah. you stop and luck begins? Yeah, I mean, he did have to dial in all the tones for these these Moogs. I mean, he, he's also the producer of this album, which mm-hmm. blew me away when I heard it. Uh, it's very well produced. Um, it has a great, it's really well recorded, and it, it sounds so clean and at the same time natural. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Part of it also, you know, he's writing so prolifically at this point, so his his brain and his songwriting skills are are honed and flexed. You know, it's like something happens like that road rage in, uh, incident. You go into the studio, you pick you pick up something and it's like you're already warmed up. You know, like a, if, if the inspiration grabs you and you're already in that mode. Yeah. Knock out a song like Cars. Mm-hmm. It, you know, like it's cool. There's a reason that people say uh, creatives have a a creative period, you know, when Stevie Wonder was just nailing it album after album after album. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll get into some of, some of the other artists, Bowie, where it's just like album after album after, and it, it does slow down after a while, you know, it's, it's not just three albums a year. It's, it's uh, one album every, you know, three years or, or it, it can stretch longer than that, but it, it really is either you lose interest, other things happen in your life, but a lot of people do have that, that sp- spur there. Um, which I, I couldn't believe he, this, this was like the last of three in one, uh, one year. Uh, it just, that's, that's impressive when, when anybody can write more than, you know, one album, one mm-hmm. or two albums a year. Was any of that because he wanted out of the record contract with Two Boy Army? That's like, a good point. Uh, I didn't read that, but that's probably yeah. He wasn't really happy um, with them. So it, this yeah. is on Beggar's Banquet. Um, does that was, would that be the Stones label then? No, I I thought the same thing. It's an independent record label. Um, it started as a chain of record shops by Martin Mills and Nick Austin. Uh, it was just like, it was part of the Beggars group of labels. Okay. Mm-hmm. It looks like those Two Boy Army albums were also on Beggars Banquet. Yeah. So it's possible that he wanted to get out of sort of I didn't read that he was locked into a contract I just had read that he he wanted to get away from you know doing doing more rock and roll punk things because it's not like he left after the next two next you know two three records they're all on beggar's banquet
Uh, I will mention as an aside, I always find it interesting to see uh, Gary Newman's album covers. I mean, this one's pretty great uh, with the the pyramid. Have you seen the oh, back yeah. cover of it, though? No, uh, no. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. All right. So we, we, we have our front cover where he's like, oh, hey, what's going on, pyramid? <laughs> and, and then the back cover is like. Oh, this is oh, what's going okay. on. <laughs> no, that's Covering it. his face yeah. with the pyramid. <laughs> yeah, like Warriors getting... is a flex of a of an album cover. Uh, it's always him, the... though. Yeah, it's he's always him. <laughs> Gary's maybe... <laughs> no, no pyramids. Maybe Gary's, like... Maybe that's what it is, is he's like, I gotta reinvent myself every time, because yeah. his albums, like, I mean, like I said, The Desert Nomad, and then this one, he's got, like, war paint. Not war paint, I don't want to say that. He's got, like, face paint on, and, and maybe old Gary just, he's got, like, a little of an identity he's crisis, just, he's you know? Just got a, he's, he's got an earring, he's got a little eyeliner, a little eyeshadow, and he's he got still rocks the He still rocks the guy liner and the guy shadow, and he works it, so, got, he works it, okay? You know, he's a goth, really, he's got a... Got to got some face decor going on. It's a really nice suit. I think it is something about having the, you know, visualization. But yeah, he's on like almost all his album covers and they're all a, a bit different. They'll have a different style, a concept, if you will, of a character that he's portraying. Yeah, I think he took that the the David Bowie Ziggy Stardust idea and then just set, ran with it and said, OK, each each album cover, I'm going to be a different person. He makes it work though. They're all fu- they're all fun. They're all a lot of fun. I like all the album covers. He really makes it work. And honestly, like not just with your music, if you can like dedicate yourself to like an aesthetic, like go off. I I love it. Great. Rob, did you see that Robert Kreisgau uh, described this album as metal machine music goes easy listening? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Do you guys know what the pleasure principle is in psychology? Tell us. Tell us. Uh, In Freudian psychoanalysis, it is the instinctive seeking of pleasure and avoiding of pain to satisfy biological and psychological needs. Specifically, the pleasure principle is the driving force guiding the id. Hmm. Makes you really three think his relationship with that pyramid. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, no. He's he's giving uh, analingus to that pyramid. Ew. (laughs) Yeah, uh, this this did do well on the charts. It it was gold certified, hundred thousand copies in the UK. Um, but it doesn't have. It's not like it was overwhelming. Um, it did make him a star. I mean, obviously, with cars hitting all the all the charts, Australia, c- Canadian, Japanese charts, New Zealand. You know, it was on all the charts. It's just that it wasn't. I mean, it's not like diamond, platinum. It it did hit gold. Yeah, I think Devo was touring with them uh, during this uh, this tour. There was a, a picture from that Devo book that I have uh, with uh, Jerry Casale and uh, and uh, Gary Newman, like hanging out drinking a diet Pepsi. Uh, Gary and Jerry and Pepsi. I will say mm-hmm. that he is probably the first that brought. I mean, Cars is might be one of the first songs that really hit in terms of um, this electronic style. Uh, I don't know if you can think of, I, I guess, Devo maybe a little bit, but Kraftwerk and Autobahn and some of their other, it doesn't, they weren't 
necessarily charting like cars was. It's, it's free whip it though. Yeah, the, the, this is definitely pre freedom of choice. Yeah, um, uncontrollable yeah, the, urge the, the, is what this, I was thinking, but but I think this is bigger. This is definitely yeah much bigger. So, but do you think maybe it has to do with distribute? I'm like kind of trying to figure out why this like hits so hard when some of these other ones did. And I wonder if it has to do with like distribution or like radio play or maybe, I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty short song, you know, it's a very, well, it's simple, short song. It's pop. It's like pop bubble gum for your ears, but it's got all these unique sounds and tones and angles Mm -hmm. that people weren't familiar with. It's like, it's like a perfect storm. Yeah. Yeah. In In my head, I'm seeing like, so all the white kids finally learned how to clap on the twos and the fours. <laughs> but, but, but then this this song comes on the radio and then like all the white dudes just start like biting their upper lip and then start doing their weird herky-jerky 80s dances. <laughs> They're like, my time has come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like, what's happening to me? <laughs> like robots trying to learn how to dance. Exactly. Yeah, the this, this song spawned all kinds of 80s dances. Yeah. Uh, I don't, uh, yeah. D- is everybody on the positive on Gary Newman? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, the, yeah. This is one of my favorites, go, man. Go see him live. I. That's all I have to say. Go see, look, truly, if you can, go see him live. He puts on such an awesome show. Still does. I'm gonna go once this quarantine's over. I'm gonna go see all kinds of live shows again, and I will I definitely go see Gary Newman. Very long time. God, I miss I miss live music so much. Remember places? <laughs> oh my God! Do you remember? Remember <laughs> friends? Remember people? Do you remember things? <laughs> I miss nouns. <laughs> I've got things. Things I've got. Wang, am I? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have our people or places. No. Yeah, this 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 record rules. I'm I'm super glad we get so, to listen to it. Yeah. Is there any more Gary Newman or is this the only thing? Nah, this will be it. I believe this Bummer, is it. But it's okay. We got the best yeah. of them. I saw some cool footage of him in 2009 uh playing the song Metal with Nine Inch Nails. Uh it's awesome. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, he yeah. mentioned he, oh. he he brought that up in an interview and he said, "God, I love the Nine Inch Nails version of uh of Metal." He just he was gushing over over it and and he was like yeah he's a brilliant artist and you know he, it, from every interview I read it seemed like he's a very humble person that just you know tri- strives to be the best artist mm-hmm. that that uh, that he can. I could see yeah. that. Yeah. A- end of the day, go watch the YouTube clips of him during Erga Music War. Oh God, yeah, it's awesome. Please. And <laughs> I'll, I'll also like any of like his live like live shows like I, I watched a full one from like 83 he's just on fire i watched mm-hmm. one where he's just doing this record like in maybe like 2005 that's when they were just fucking awesome volcano i think oh, that's so cool they were supposed to be doing something else but there was like the giant volcano that yeah, travel. yeah so instead they did a small tour and just played pleasure principle yeah, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, just 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 get into Gary Newman. He's, he's fucking awesome. Yeah. Love him. Love him, dude. All right, next time we'll be talking about the specials. The specials. All right, thanks, y'all. Rude boy! Woo!